Good morning. Such a privilege to be with all of you this morning. We're taking a look this morning at Acts 28, verses 1 through 10. So if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn there to Acts 28, verses 1 through 10. Using your, if you don't have a Bible with you, then you can just listen as they did in the early church. And before we actually hear God's Word read and God speak to us through His preached Word, I invite you to join me in prayer that God might illuminate hearts and minds to receive that which He has for us. Please join me. Lord God, we do come before you this morning thanking you and praising you that you are so good to us. Lord, you reveal yourself in a mighty way through your preached word. So we ask, Lord, you might do that for us this morning, Lord. Help us to see through this text of scripture how Jesus helps us, Lord. How your sovereign hand moves to guide and direct us, Lord. So we might go forth and show unusual kindness to those around us, Lord. That same kindness that we've been shown. Lord, be with me, your servant. Let the words I speak be not my own, Lord but the words you placed in my mouth to edify your people and turn hearts to yourself. For we ask these things in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, passage of scripture where God shows how his sovereign hand works to lead us and guide us through unusual kindness as an example of how Jesus helps us. So hear now God's inerrant, infallible, and holy word. After we were brought safely through, We then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said, He's a god. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island, named Publius, who received and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Stan and Linda, they're contemplating welcoming a foreign exchange student into their home. A young girl, 16 years old from India, who will go to school here for the year. And they know it's going to be hard if they do this, because she's not a believer. And it's going to have to change their lives. It's going to take her to and from school, take her extracurricular activities, do things that are going to turn her life upside down. Her English is okay, so it's going to be communication more difficult. And she's a stranger. So what do you think? Should they do it? Should they take this strange woman into their home that's going to turn their life upside down and disturb it? Would you do it? See, this is a problem we often have. We're willing to help, but only so much. We're only willing to go so far. We don't want to go the extra mile or have our lives disturbed or inconvenienced any real way. But as you think about that, think about what Jesus Christ does. How he goes the extra mile, laying down his life so you might be brought to life. And he can welcome you into his family. 
And you see that same type of thing going here in our text with these pagans on Malta who show unusual kindness to all 276 men who've washed up on their shores. And this shows you what this text is driving at. How Jesus helps you. So I want you to do something with me. Let's walk onto the shores of Malta. And here's what I want you to see this morning. I want you to see first, God's sovereignty helps you. Second, your help through trouble. Third, your trouble needs kindness. And fourth, kindness meets your needs. And this brings us to our big idea. Get this down. Let this be why you're always willing to go the extra mile. Because you know Jesus helps you to help others. So first, God's sovereignty helps you. You ever have a time in your life when you weren't quite sure how things are going to work out? Some circumstance or situation? You knew God was sovereign. You knew about His sovereignty. So you know you'd come through it okay. But you weren't quite sure how. You weren't quite sure how God was going to work it out. You ever pray for something like that? How are you going to do this? Please heal me, help me, guide me, direct me. God ever surprise you by the way He answers your prayer? Answer in a totally different way. God often does this because God. And you see that in our text because you're seeing how God's sovereign hand is helping all 276 shipwrecked guys who wash up on the shore. Look at verse one. Gaze your eyes there. Look what it says. After we were brought safely through, we learned that the island was called Malta. This shows how God's sovereignty helps you even when you're not sure how it's going to do so, how God's going to work things out. These guys were told, you're all going to be okay. They're floating around in the sea for three months, 14 days with no food, and God says, not a life will be lost. Not a hair on your head will perish. They're not quite sure how it's going to happen. But you see here what takes place. Look how your text begins in verse 1. After we were brought safely through, God has answered the prayer. He's delivered them. And I want you to see something else. Gaze back to verse 44. Notice what it says there. All were brought safely to land. This is telling you something significant. Luke is not missing a beat. He's picking up right where he left off. They washed up on the shore, and now he's continuing with the narrative, showing you what took place. You're showing the obvious connection between verse 44 and verse 1. And you notice something here. Look what it says. We learned the... This drives home how God's sovereignty helps you. If you're familiar with Acts, you know only a short time ago, they were in Fairhavens. They were going to travel 40 miles to Phoenix, but they got alone 400 miles off course. But look where they're at now. They wash up on Malta. You know where Malta's at? It's 60 miles south of Sicily, about 150, 200 miles south of Rome, where they're going. God has pushed them right where they need to go. You want to remember that. When you're not sure how things are going to work out, God's sovereign hand is helping you, pushing you and guiding you. And notice what you see again. They wash up on an island called Malta. You know what Malta means? It means refuge. You're seeing here the fulfillment of God's promise in Psalm 46.1 when he says, I'm an ever-present help in trouble. Your refuge. These guys wash up on a shore of refuge. That shows how God's sovereignty helps you. And I want you to remember that as you go through hard and difficult things, not sure how things are going to work out. You know God's sovereign, but you always wonder, but what does that mean for me? Is he going to let me perish? Am I going to be devastated here? What's he going to do? Well, he promises his sovereignty helps you. He will get you safely to the shore, just like he does here. Brings these guys onto this island called Malta, where there's pagans who do what? Show them unusual kindness to all 276 men. 
all because of God's sovereignty that helps you. Look at verse 2. Look what it says. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it was begun to rain and was cold. This again shows, drives home, emphasizes how God's sovereignty helps you. God brings all 276 men on this shipwrecked ship. They're shipwrecked. They wash up on the shore. And what do they do? They wind up right in the hands of these very generous, kind, caring pagans, barbarians. Look at your text. Look what it says. The native people. That word translated native, it comes from a Greek word meaning barbarian. Luke is telling you, these guys are different. They're uncultured, uncivilized. Don't speak the common Greek language. History shows they speak a Phoenician language. They're different. They're strange. Kind of odd. And yet, what are they doing? They're speaking a different language, but that different language is not preventing them, not being a barrier to them showing unusual kindness. That's what they do right here. That's what God does for you. Think about this. They're showing unusual kindness. Do you realize the difference between kindness and niceties? Being nice is saying, oh, I'm so sorry you broke your arm. I'm sorry you're going through that. Doesn't help you any, does it? Kindness says, I'm sorry you broke your arm. What can I do to help? Let me carry your books, carry your groceries, carry things for you, help you out. That's what kindness does. And that's what you're seeing right here. Unusual kindness. You know why it's unusual? Because they're pagans, they're barbarians, and they're acting like Christians. They're showing the fruit of the Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Right there in the middle, kindness. That's what you're seeing right here. And notice this. They're not believers. They speak a strange language. But because of God's universal mercy, because God's unusual kindness, what are they doing? They're showing the same to these 276 men who wash up on the shore. And that tells you something. That tells you what you should be doing as a church. You should be showing unusual kindness to those around you, those who are lost and fallen. You want to grow this church? Then show unusual kindness. Don't let language be a barrier. You know what you should have here? You should have Spanish speakers and English speakers worshiping together. You should have rich and poor, male and female, old and young, all coming together as the one body of Christ because of God's unusual kindness that he shows to you. That's what you see in the church. That's what Christ does for you. Think about it. You were a stranger, wandering away, speaking this strange language, this non-gospel language, things that sound strange to God's ears. And what did he do? He condescends to make himself known, to draw you to himself, goes to the cross and dies to pay the price for your sins. Think how great that is. That ought to put a smile on your face. Jesus Christ says, you're strange, you're weird, you're odd, but I love you. I'm going to draw you to myself. I'm going to draw you in. And he says that that's how Jesus helps you. Never lose sight of that fact. When you were lost, when you were strange, no idea even how to find God, what does he do? He draws near to you. Jesus Christ goes to the cross and sheds his blood to purchase your pardon. How amazing is that? Doesn't that get you excited? Then put a smile on your face. Don't you want to tell everybody that? This is what Jesus does. Jesus helps you, man. You've got to come to church and hear this. That's what you see right here. He basically dies so you might live and be brought home. And that's what you're seeing right here. Because think about it. God he knows that language is strange. So what's he do? He doesn't want you to ignore the invitation. So he draws you in. John 6.44 draws that language. says He draws you to himself. 
And this shows how God's sovereignty helps you because God wants you to go and do the same for others. Because God says, Jesus helps you to help others. Because understand this, people need help. People have trouble. God typically helps when you most need it, which brings us to our second point. Your help through trouble. Do you ever get upset because nobody helps? Maybe it's your home, work, church, and you're thinking, why does nobody help? Why do I got to set all the chairs up here? How come... What's wrong with them? Think about how hard it gets when it furls to you, when you got to do it all yourself. doesn't seem like an extra burden, and all you can think about is all the people aren't helping out. It can be so tiring, so disturbing, right? But understand, at that time, you want to remember that Jesus helps you. Jesus gives you what you need. He does what you need to do. Because God always is moving. God's sovereignty is always at work. So when trouble comes, guess what God does? He shows you and reminds you how Jesus helps you. Because you're helped through trouble. Just like you see right here in the text. Look at verse 3. Look what it says here. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. This shows how you're helped through trouble. These native people, what are they doing? They're helping out these 276 shipwrecked guys. They're cold. They're waterlogged. They're tired. They need heat. They need a fire. So they're building a fire. And look what Paul does. I want you to see what Paul does. As you're looking for a pastor, look for a guy like this. Not a guy that can tell you about infralapsarianism, superlapsarianism, and hypostatic union. But notice a guy who's willing to help out. Willing to set the chairs up and sweep the floors. Paul's an apostle. And what's he do? He's out gathering sticks to throw on the fire. They need this fire to warm them up and dry them out. And Paul's not kicking back saying, Hey, bring me some lemonade. I'll be here laying on a hut. He gets to work. He's helping out. He's serving, doing something. Just like these other guys, he's tired, waterlogged, soaked to the bone as it were. Understand, it's about 60 degrees right now, and the rain's beginning to fall. What is Paul doing? Making sure all these other people are helped. And what's the reward for his help? He picks up a bundle of sticks, and a viper snaps on his hand. Talk about being in real trouble. It's a venomous snake. Last onto his hand. Poison running through his veins, waiting for his hand and arm to swell up and then drop over dead. Paul's in real trouble. But he's got God's promise. God has promised him, you're going to go to Rome and testify. You're going to go there and tell him that Jesus Christ is a promised Messiah, the one who does for you what you could never do for yourself. You're going to let all the world know that Jesus is God himself, who left this throne in heaven to take humanity to himself to go to the cross and die for your sins takes all God's wrath on himself so you're safe and secure. That's the trouble you face. But Jesus says, I'm going to help you. Jesus helps you by doing for you what you could never do for yourself. But you've got a problem here. Because Paul has got this promise. I'm going to get to Rome and tell these people this, how Jesus Christ sheds his blood to purchase your pardon. But i got a little problem. I'm going to drop dead. How's it going to work out? You ever been in a situation like that? Wondering how's this going to work out? You know what God says? You're thinking, but no way. I can help that. No, how's it going to happen? How many of you are going to get a job? How many are going to find a place to worship? How many are going to find a pastor? How are we going to do these things? That's what they know right here. These guys know that Paul's in real trouble. Look at your text. Look at verse 4. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man's a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. 
This highlights how you're helped through trouble. Paul's got a deadly snake latched onto his hand, clinging there. Again, the venom running through his veins. His hand should swell up. He should fall over dead. These native people who are familiar with the land, familiar with the dangers, they know that's what they're going to expect. And you see how they're very superstitious. Because they say, you know what? The sea god Neptune didn't get them, but his other god will. And you know, we can look at them and see, you know what? That's why they're barbarians. They're so silly, so superstitious. Not like us. We don't believe in things like karma, right? We never say, like, you better do this or karma might get you. Or how about this as Christians? You ever have something go wrong? You ever have hardship, suffering, pain come your way, and you say it's because God's mad at me, he's punishing me? You know why I got stuck in that traffic jam? Because I woke up late, because I was fooling around at night, didn't read my Bible or pray, so now God's punishing me with a traffic jam. Don't we often do that? Don't we think that way? We forget that Jesus helps us, doesn't harm us. You know why? Because we think just like these guys. Look what you notice here. Look at these natives. Look at that word justice. Notice how it's capitalized. It's a capital J. You know why? That's a personal name. This is not justice with a little J. This is a capital J. It's a personal name. And it's an ancient goddess known as DK, which means justice. And they're convinced that Paul's done something wrong. He's a murderer. And so the gods are going to get him. False gods do. They hold you accountable. You can never satisfy them. They never do anything for you. They demand more and more and more. And you know what's so amazing? Jesus helps you. He does different. He always helps you because he doesn't demand more from you. He gives more to you. You are a murderer deserving death. You realize that? You're a murderer deserving death. And what does Christ do? He says, I got it. I'll die for you. I'll go to the cross and shed my blood to purchase your pardon and set you free. That's how Jesus helps you. And that should get you excited. That should make you smile. That's the God you serve. That's how Jesus helps you. Makes a difference. Doesn't reward you for what you deserve, but gives you the mercy and the grace that you don't. Isn't that amazing? He does that for you. Calls you to himself. So that means you never have to fear stuff because Jesus helps you. You're a murderer again, deserving death. You ever lose your anger? You ever lose your temper and get angry? Well, guess what that means? You're a murderer. You deserve to die. The slightest sin is punishable by death. But Jesus says, I got your back. I got you covered. I'll take it on myself. You're safe and secure. He takes your punishment so that you live. Because here's the reality. Each and every one of us, we're in real trouble. Left to ourselves, there's nothing we can do. But Jesus draws you to himself to that spirit-wrought union, and Jesus helps you so that you live. Just like you see here. Look at verse 5. He, however, that's Paul, shook the creature off his hand into the fire and suffered no harm. This shows you how you're basically, you're seeing right here how you're helped through trouble. Paul's got this venomous snake on his hand and he's in real trouble. You realize he's not just facing COVID with a 99.9% recovery rate. You get a snake on your hand and it's poisonous, guess what? You die. You don't recover from that. But what's Paul doing? Not the least bit concerned. You know why? He's got God's promises. He knows God's more powerful than any snake. More powerful than any disease. More powerful than anything that comes against you. Do you realize that? That that's how Jesus helps you? There's nothing that can do you in because God always fulfills His promises. Always does what He says. As you're struggling, as you're facing hardships and pain, remember that. That God fulfills His promises. Does what He says. That's why Paul, knowing he's got this promise, he's going to Rome, just shakes the snake off. 
And don't you see with that? God fulfilling his promises. Luke 10, 19. Here's what it says. Jesus says this. I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. You hear that? Nothing shall hurt you. How many things are we fearful of? Disease, injury, death. Jesus promises, if you know him, nothing shall hurt you. So if you're here this morning and you've never turned and trusted in Jesus Christ, I would implore you, beg with you, plead with you to do so now. See how Jesus helps you so nothing hurts you. No fears or frights because he's got your back. Now understand something. This doesn't mean go around looking for poisonous snakes and try and pick them up. We're not talking snake handling here. That's not what's in view here. What you're seeing is how Jesus helps you because Satan and his minions, they want to undo you. As you grow in your faith, what he wants to do? Bring troubles and hardships to undo your faith. Kind of knock you off course. Get you off your feet. So Jesus helps you by calling you into covenantal union with himself. He purchases your pardon so that you live. You're a murder-deserving death. And what do you get? Unusual kindness that Jesus Christ shows you. Kindness is so far beyond our imagination. Who do you know that will say, not I'll go the extra mile to help you, but I will give my life for you. Suppose you had a friend that needed, had a bad heart and needed a heart transplant. Would you say you could have mine? Or would you say, I'll pray for you, but I hope you find one. You need to get mine. What does Jesus Christ do? You can have mine. I'll take your sin and give you my perfect righteousness. I'll impute that to you. How amazing is that? How great is that? How can be a fright or fear to you when you know that that's what Jesus Christ does for you. If he does that so you have eternal life, what do you think he's going to do for you as you walk through this earth? He's going to continue to watch over you because Jesus helps you. That's what he does. That's what you see going right here. So as you face fears and frights, don't run and hide. When troubles assail you and you want to flee, don't. Stand firm on God's word and on his promises. That's why you want to memorize scripture. So you can always recall it. Know what God says. How he tells you what? Hebrews 13, 5. You know what he tells you there? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28, 20. What's he say? I'm always by your side. Psalm 46, 1 again. Ever-present trouble. Ever-present help in trouble. That's what Jesus Christ does for you. That's what God does for you. Jesus helps you. Because you're helped through trouble. Because we all face troubles. And that's why God does that. Not just for you but for the lost and fallen all around you. Because as God helps you, as Jesus helps you, people see it, and it impacts them. And you see this in our text. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6 says. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a God. Once again, you see right here, how you're helped through trouble. And here it's not just Paul. It's these pagans, these barbarians, these guys on Malta. Because what are they seeing? They're seeing there's something different about Paul. And they're thinking he's a god. And you know what the world should see when they see you? Not that you're a god, but there's something different about you. So ask yourself, when you're going through real trouble, real hardship, real suffering, as you're talking about trying to find a pastor or grow this church, what do people see? That you know Jesus helps you? Or you're like, oh, I can't do it. Where's my God? I never get help. What's your attitude? What do people see when you, when you break your arm? Do they see the church coming together to help? Or do they find you walking around by yourself? 
trying to carry your groceries and books at the same time. See, people should see something different about us. You know why? Because if you belong to Jesus Christ, you really are different. You realize that? He takes out your heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh and makes you new. You realize you're not the same old person you used to be? You're brand new. You're made in the image of Christ, conforming you, changing you. Because the reality is this. You need Jesus' help. So Jesus helps you, gives you all you need. And what does he tell you? That good work he began in you, he'll bring it to completion. And sometimes it works through these hardships, suffering, and pains you're going through. Through that, he might be molding and shaping you. And that should give you hope. Here's the reality. God never says, listen, come to me, you'll have perfect health, incredible wealth, and everything will always go right. That's not the God of the the Bible, is it? He says you'll have pain and suffering, hardships, difficulties, marriages. Even Christian marriages are hard. You realize that? You know what happens when two Christians get married? Two sinners are joined together. And when two sinners are joined together, there's sin, messes, chaos, destruction. But Jesus helps you, brings you through it, makes you new, changes you. You're always safe and secure because he says you'll have these things, but he'll bring you through it bring you safely to shore. Show you unusual kindness. Because when that happens, others are helped. People see a difference. And that impacts them hugely. God uses you to help others. You're helped through troubles. Because Jesus helps you to help others. And he does that because God knows what you need and God always gives you what you need. Which brings us to our third point. Your trouble needs kindness. You ever visit a foreign city, different state, different country, and go to a local church? Maybe you're traveling on vacation, business, got to go someplace different, and you, know, you don't really know the people there. They seem kind of strange. They talk different. Maybe listen to me, you're saying, but this guy seems kind of strange. He's got that weird voice. What's going on here? You ever go to a church where you know God's people gather together on Sunday morning, and you think you're going to be welcomed, received, maybe invited over for lunch, and you get into church and you find out, they see that you're strange and different and they kind of turn their backs on you. You're not welcomed. You want to grow this church? Welcome each and every guest that walks through these doors and do something really kind of strange to show unusual kindness. It'll be really bizarre here, but when you're preparing lunch for you on Sunday morning, make extra. So if a guest shows up, you can invite him over. Already got food prepared for him. Show him unusual kindness because that's what Jesus Christ does for you and that's what changes people. See, the reality is this. All too often, the world does a much better job at greeting and welcoming others than the church does. But the reality is, people are in trouble. People are hurting. All around you, people are suffering. They're in trouble. And your trouble needs kindness. And that's what you see going on here in the text with these pagans. Look at verse 7. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. This is a picture of how you see kindness that your troubles need. You're seeing right here so clearly how troubles need kindness. This chief is a very wealthy man on the island. He's heard of Paul and he welcomes him and all 275 other men into his home. And he meets all their needs, not just for lunch, but for three whole days. This is a picture of hospitality. I want to give you a definition of hospitality. Get this down and live this out. Here's what hospitality is. It's opening your hearts by opening your homes to friends and strangers alike. 
Do that and watch how this church grows. Watch how you don't have enough chairs. You need extra people to set up chairs because it won't be big enough. That's what happens through hospitality. And that's what you're seeing right here through this strange foreigner who again is a pagan, not a Christian, he's an unbeliever, walking all 276 people into his home. They're tired, cold, waterlogged, in need of help, real assistance. So what does Publius do? Walking them all into his home. Can you imagine that? 276 people in your house, eating your food, using your bathroom, sleeping in your beds, all over the floors, and they're on the beach. So guess what? They're dragging sand into your house. Oh my God, what's going on? The mess. Can you deal with that? Do you see that? That's what's going on right here. And what's he doing? He's walking them and showing hospitality for three full days. He's doing what we need to do. Showing unusual kindness. Just like Jesus Christ shows to you. It's how Jesus helps you. By walking into his family and healing your diseases. And he does that so you can help others. Just like you see in our text. Look at verse 8. It happened that the father Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed. And putting his hands on him, healed him. See what's going on here? This shows how your troubles need kindness. This guy's got a very contagious disease of his intestines. Dysentery. You know what dysentery is? It's a highly contagious disease. Easily transmittable. And often fatal. Yet what does Paul do? He doesn't steer clear. He doesn't say, look, I'll be out on the beach praying for you. Hope it works out for you. He draws near. What do we do when people are suffering and they have hardships? Do we draw near? Or do we say, I'll pray for him from afar. I'll pray for him for a distance. Hope it works out. Paul draws near. See, understand, this disease was very common in this day. came from a microbe in goat's milk. And you get a fever. Not when it lasts for a couple days or a couple weeks. It could last for months or even years. If Paul gets this disease, he'll be bedridden for years possibly. What does he do? The smart thing? Serve the idol of health so he can stay safe and not get sick and die? Oh, and then go to glory? That's the last thing I need to die and go to glory, right? Draw near like Paul does here. He goes to this sick man and shows unusual kindness. Prays for him. Why do you think Paul's praying? You know why he's praying? He's showing his dependence on God. Paul's not healing. God is healing through Paul's prayers. Prayer is so key. What are you praying for? Are you praying, like I heard prayed this morning, through the pastoral prayer, for that right man that God has in mind for you to come lead your church, to shepherd you, for God to lead you to the right people to talk to the gospel, share the gospel with? Are you praying for that? Do you get up every morning and say, God, put somebody in my path that I can share Christ with, show unusual kindness to, so they may come to know Jesus Christ. Is that what you're praying for? Or are you praying, God, get me through the day? Help me be able to pay my bills. I know they're suffering and dying, but you take care of them. I got my own stuff to worry about. What are you doing? We've got to ask what our prayers are. And I want you to see something else here. Paul, this is the only place in the book of Acts where you see this. 28 chapters in the book of Acts and only one place where hands are laid to heal. You know why? The healing. It's about the kindness that your troubles need. That's what you're seeing right here. This guy's in real trouble. He's really sick. He needs Jesus' help. So what does God do? Sends Paul, the apostle, to heal him through his prayer. And you know what you see right there? 
a picture of Jesus Christ and how Jesus helps you. Because what does he do with your disease of sin? He heals it on the cross by going there in your place, doing for you what you could never do for yourself. You realize that? He sheds his blood so you're set free. Rises from the grave to conquer sin and death. Why are you so fearful of death if Christ conquered it for you? He ascends on high to send the Spirit to indwell you. You know why? Because you need the Spirit to keep moving forward, to carry on. He gives you all you need because He knows you're in trouble and your trouble needs kindness. So God shows you unusual kindness. And what this does for you is it causes you to draw closer and it draws others closer to you so you can share this good news with them. And you see this in our text. Look at verse 9. Look what it says here. When this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. This emphasizes how your troubles need kindness. Are you seeing that? Publius isn't the only sick guy on the island. There's others with diseases. And what do they do? They come to Paul. And Paul's not just being nice. He's not saying, wow, there's too many of you. I'm sorry you have this. You ought to get a doctor. What's he do? He shows kindness. He steps up, gets outside his comfort zone, doing what needs to be done. Paul's willing to have all these people come to him and show them the same kindness that he was shown on the Damascus Road. Remember who Paul was? Opposing the church, killing Christians, and God showed him unusual kindness and said, you're going to serve me. And what's he doing now? Serving God on the way to Rome where he's facing trial and possible death. And he's healing these people because he knows they're fallen and lost. They need help. And you're seeing right here God's sovereign hand working even when you can't see it. That's how Jesus helps you. As you're moving through your days and you might be finding it hard to see God's hand, remember his promises to never leave you or forsake you, to always be with you, to be an ever-present help in trouble. Jesus holds you in his hands and nobody can even snatch you away. How good is that? You don't have to hold on to Jesus. He clings on to you. How amazing is that? That's what he does for you. He helps you because he knows you're in trouble and your trouble needs kindness. And think about this. When you're going through difficulties, when your boat capsizes and you're shipwrecked, you may be thinking, oh, what did I do? Why is God mad at me? But God may be using that, your trial, your situation, so you can help somebody else. Think about how you've been shown kindness and you can show the same kindness to others, just like Jesus showed you. When you get sick, where do you go? You go to the doctor's office. And who's at the doctor's office? Sick people. You've got the opportunity to share Christ with them. When you're unemployed, you go to the unemployment line, and guess who's there? People who don't have jobs. You're able to tell them, Christ provides all your needs. Opportunities all around. Is that how you see your troubles? As opportunities to serve others. That's what Paul's doing right here. All these guys wash up on the shore, shipwreck, probably thinking, I can't believe this happened to us. But what about the guys on Malta who are now being healed? You think they're seeing the shipwreck the same way? Or they might be saying, praise God the ship crashed. Brought us right here to heal us. Thank you for God. This guy's awesome. Not seeing it the same way, right? How do you see your hardships, your circumstances, your struggles, your troubles and struggles? See, here's the reality. Your life will often be filled with inconveniences, annoyances, hardship, pain. Difficulties will come. You might get sick. Loved ones may die. But you know what? They're all opportunities for you to go and show the same kindness, an unusual kindness that God has shown to you. Because God may be using you 
to help others, to draw them to himself. God works through means, and you may be the means he's using to draw others in. Let me ask you a question. How come you have more chairs set up? Do you believe God's going to draw more people in? Well, they have chairs ready for them. Set the chairs up ahead of time so they come in and open the floor. Know that God does that. He does that through you. Believe his promises that Christ will build his church. Paul showing kindness because he was shown kindness. He goes into Puvis' home and is able to help his father and all these other people. And that's what Jesus does for you. Because Jesus helps you because we're all in trouble and your troubles need kindness. So Jesus helps you to help others. And when Jesus helps you, then you truly have all your needs met. Which brings us to our fourth and final point. Kindness meets your needs. You ever do the right thing and you wind up with an unexpected reward? Imagine you got a neighbor, and not a nice neighbor, I'm talking a crashly wicked woman, always complaining about everything, always getting on your last nerve. But you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show unusual kindness. I'm going to cut her grass, get her groceries, take her to the doctors, and you do that. And she complains all the time about it. And you're thinking, why do I do this? And you remember, because Jesus helps you. So you're doing it for her, showing unusual kindness. Today you get a phone call. It's a lawyer. He says, Mrs. Miserable next door, and she named you in her will, left you a half million dollars. You're like, whoa, what an unexpected reward. I can't believe I'm getting this. For cutting the grass, really? Talk about an hourly rate. You ever do that? Have God reward you in huge ways, ways you're not expecting? That can be so common because God shows us kindness to show unusual kindness to others. And it's what God does for you through Jesus. Jesus helps you because kindness meets your needs. And that's what you're seeing right here. You're seeing how these 276 men are having all their needs met. Look at verse 10 that concludes our text. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. This highlights how kindness meets your needs. And note something here. Paul does all the work. But who gets the reward? The 275 other men on board who did nothing. They didn't heal anybody. They are probably laying on the beach suntanning. And yet, they get the reward. And you see right here what's going on. The word you see here that says honored, it comes from the Greek word time, which in this context means to honor via some monetary reward. It's the idea of being paid back for services rendered. And you know because he writes this, he says, Honor the physician with the honor due to him according to your need of him. So these guys are rewarding Paul and all these guys for the service they render to him. But again, think about something. Paul's the only guy who did the work. Why are they getting the reward? You know what you're seeing here? What Jesus Christ does for you. Jesus does all the work and you get the reward. Jesus Christ God himself leaves his throne in heaven and walks in perfect obedience to the law. So he can go to the cross as your perfect atoning sacrifice to do for you what you could never do for yourself. Sheds his blood, rises from the grave, conquers sin and death, ascends on high, gets all the benefits of redemption. And what does he do? Gives it to you. How great is that? He does all the work and you get the reward. And that says Jesus helps you. And he does it because he wants you to go forth and do likewise to go and give a reward to those who may not deserve it, may not be entitled to it, but desperately need help. Understand, that's what happens when you show unusual kindness. Because kindness meets your needs. That's what God does for you through Jesus Christ. So ask yourself a question. 
When you see people in trouble, needs needing to be met, what do you think? How can I help out? What can I do? How can I go the extra mile? How can I show unusual kindness? Or do you say, you know what? They're not a very nice person. Good, that's what you get. You made your bed, now lie in it. What do you do? We want to show unusual kindness. You know why? Because you were that wretched man and woman that God looked upon and said, you know what? I so love you, I'm going to send my son to die for you. Isn't that amazing? That's what Jesus Christ does for you? Look, I know you guys are OPC. It's okay to smile, though. When you hear the good news of what Jesus does for you, you can smile. You can even say, praise Jesus. That's okay. We can do that in the OPC churches, okay? That's all right to do. Because that's what God does for you. Think about these guys. On Malta, pagans. And what are they doing? Showing unusual kindness that Christians are often so unwilling to do because you want me to drive too far. Jesus says, I will walk that long road to Calvary for you. So how far will you walk for Jesus and knows that he's placing in your path? And understand, you can do this because Jesus helps you. He ascends on high, gets the Spirit to indwell you. So you're equipped, enabled, and empowered to do all you need to do. If you're thinking, I can't do it, you're right, you can't. But through Jesus Christ you can. And he gives you his Spirit that empowers you to do what you need to do. So stop thinking the same old way. That's beyond me. It's too hard. I can't handle it. But say, with God, all things are possible. I can do it through Jesus Christ. Let this be the impetus that causes you to go the extra mile, to reach out to those who most need your help. Know that Jesus helps you. Go forth and show that same unusual kindness to those around you. And they're all around you, trust me. People struggling, have troubles, have difficulties, have needs that aren't being met. How can you meet those needs? How can you show unusual kindness to them? Do this because you know Jesus helps you. And he does this so you can go forth and show that same unusual kindness to others. Because here's the reality. Kindness meets your needs. And you see it when you think about Jesus hanging on the cross for you. Jesus helps you to help others. Stan and Linda, they've had a very hard year. This girl turned her life upside down, pushed them well beyond their limits. But you know what? As she's on the plane going back home, they got a big smile on their face. They don't look Presbyterian at all. They look really happy. They're grinning from ear to ear. You know why? Because she met Jesus Christ through them. She came to see how Jesus helps you because they showed her the same unusual kindness they themselves met and received years ago. And you know what? That's the same that each and every one of you can do. If you know Jesus Christ through the Spirit-wrought union, then you know what it looks like to receive unusual kindness. You know what it is to have Jesus helps you. And understand this. Jesus helps you, not just with your salvation, but also with your sanctification. Jesus helps to save you, and Jesus helps to sanctify you. We often think the sanctification is our work, but Christ does that as well. You've got to do things He calls you to do, but He gives you the means of grace to do that. So if you're here this morning and you've never turned and trusted in Jesus Christ, again, I would beg you to do just that. Talk with me. Talk with one of the elders here. Talk with one of the mature Christians here. Ask him how Jesus can help you. And if he's done then ask yourself, how can you take that message into the lost and fallen world around you? Every place you go, how can you show Jesus? Not just talk about him, but show him through your unusual acts of kindness. Because you are, get this down, you are saved and sanctified saints. 
You hear that? You're saved and sanctified saints. You're better. You're different. You've been changed. All because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus helps you. So you can go forth and do with on your own you could never do by yourself. And remember again, you've got the Spirit that indwells you, equips, enables, and empowers you. So you don't have to rely on your own strength, your own wisdom, your own resources. God gives you all you need because He shows you unusual kindness. So as you go forth, let all you know, all you meet, help them to know and understand that Jesus helps you. Show them. Make it clear. Jesus helps you to help others. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this morning thanking you and praising you, Lord, because you've shown us unusual kindness. Lord, when we were strangers, distant, walking our own way, you drew us to yourself, Lord. And we thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, we know through this text of Scripture, you draw us to yourself so we might be the means you use to go forth and draw others in. So Lord, help us to do just that. Let us never be the obstacle that stands in the way of what you want to do, Lord. But help us to say, I'm willing to go and send us, Lord. Help us to go forth knowing Jesus helps us to help others. We ask these things in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.